This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, feline friends. This is Michelle Byrne, your host on Catitude. My guest today has done so much for animal welfare. I cannot wait to introduce her to you. We're going to be right back after this message. Hey, everyone. Michelle Byrne here, your host on Best Buds for Pets and Catitude. Ben and Jerry's has frozen treats for dogs. I know Nikki is going to love this. He loves a frozen treat. They have two different flavors. One is Punch's Mix, which is peanut butter and pretzel. And the other one is Rosie's Batch, which is pumpkin and mini cookies. You know, I kind of like both of those flavors too, but my absolute favorite is fish food. Anything Ben and Jerry's is always fabulous because the quality is so good and their mixes are so delicious. Be sure to check out more about these frozen dog desserts as well as pictures of all the caniners at the Ben and Jerry's Vermont office at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today has been involved in animal welfare for over 20 years. She currently hosts the podcast Community Cats, as well as organizing several virtual conferences. Welcome, Stacey LeBaron. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. So I've listened to several of your shows, and I want to ask you a question that you ask your guests all the time. What made you become passionate about cats? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's what, that's my tagline for the show is, you know, how to turn your passion for cats into action. I love that, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, and I mean, I... You know, the typical line is I, you know, had cats growing up as a kid, but I really didn't become passionate about cats until about 1994 when I was in Newburyport, Massachusetts. And I really learned about trap, neuter and return where there were 300 cats on the Newburyport waterfront and they had just started doing a trap, neuter, return program. And I learned so much about how you can create a humane community for cats. And it was like every day I had a new challenge and I just kept on going and going and going. And now we're at 27 years later. Wow. That's um, pretty exciting. It's always interesting to hear how someone got started, wherever their area is, how it all began. What about cats? Were you a cat person from way back from childhood? Yeah, well, I grew up with uh, a cat. Her name was Duncan. She lived to be 20 years old. And when I was born, she was seven. So she was there to raise me, basically. So I learned to respect her. She was kind of what you would call your grumpy cat. And uh, so I learned a lot from her. I, I had one cat growing up. And then when I married and got my own house and children, I had certainly more than one cat. But, you know, I'm not the defined cat lady, I feel like it's an underserved population. I feel bad for cats. I feel like we can do more for them as a society. And I want to be part of that solution. 
I think that's fantastic. And I think cats are kind of coming in their own lately, you know, because it was always about dogs, right? There was always so much dog toys, dog this, dog treats, much more for dogs. But I think cats are slowly getting up there, getting, um, there's still more dogs owners than cat owners, but there's more cats that are owned by pet parents. Since you know this, you know, most people have two or more or three, or if you're like Rita Reimer, you have 19, which I can't (laughs) believe that, but I mean, I do, but wow. So I think they're getting their moment, especially during COVID. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you that the status of cats is definitely going up especially as we live in more apartments or smaller spaces. And so the interest of having a cat over a dog becomes a lot easier um, or more understandable. And with veterinarians, private practice veterinarians, a bulk of their business revolves around dogs. But I think that the space around cats is growing from, from a veterinary economics perspective, which then makes us sort of pay attention to, to cats even more. So There are good things happening for cats out there. There are certainly lots of challenges with the economic challenges we face. So I've gotten very involved in pet food pantries and ensuring that no one has to really worry about giving up their pet if they can't afford pet food for them. So that's been a big topic of mine over the last year. So I don't know what you've seen happening over COVID with regards to cats from your perspective, Michelle. What I've seen, well, I've had a lot of shows recently that were, you know, we focused a lot on, you know, COVID and mostly with adoption. And I think the best thing that has been going on recently is the increase of cat adoption and how the amount of cats being euthanized is going down. It's not nearly as low as we would like it, but what we both do in podcasts and other ways of getting the word out to just even the general population, besides all our cat listeners and so forth, even, you know, as other people tell other people and so forth, people learn that, okay, it's not okay to just feed the little cat in the street forever. You have to practice TNR. Otherwise, there's going to be from that one cat, there's going to be so many other cats that end up dead. And we need to stop that. So catitude's about anything and everything cat. But I have a passion for TNR. I lived it. That's how my cats, my cat crew grew was just, you know, they just happened. They found me. And, you know, unlike you, I wasn't a cat person from way back. I was, I had dogs when I was younger. And my first cat was Dennis. He literally opened the door. He walked in. That's how I found Dennis. (laughs) And we figured someone abandoned him. And, and he's, he's a great cat. And the funny thing about this is that he's kind of dog-like. He's part Maine Coon. So it was a good intro for me because I did know a lot about cat behaviors. Then I moved, had some TNR rescuing with cats and learned about cat behaviors and learned that Dennis is um, unique among the world of cats. He's just different, you know? And so it's been, um, I guess, an interesting ride. And so that's basically, you know, what's been going on. A lot of talk about TNR, a lot of talk about what to do with certain things with issues that come up for pet parents, ways to, oh gosh, just ways to make life with cats or life if you want to get a cat or thinking about a cat better for you and your feline friend. 
One of the things, Michelle, that I've been really focused on over the last six months or so is I do these trapper certification workshops in partnership with Neighborhood Cats. So the first Saturday of every month, we offer a training, two and a half hour online training about the beginnings of how to learn how to trap community cats. And people take a little test at the end and they get a certificate. If you live in New York, you actually will get access to free spay neuter through the ASPCA if you have one of these certificates. So that's got some tremendous value. And it's really been incredible. The people that have taken these courses, the classes that we offer, over 60% of the people that attend are not affiliated with an organization and they pay the price for the spay neuter for the cats, take care of the cats, do the trapping. They do it all on their own. They're not involved with any organization. And I think that's really tremendous in really understanding that trap neuter return is a movement of individuals, not a movement of organizations. Very true. In fact, one of my favorite shows was about a, I call her a TNR expert. You probably have heard about her, Sassy Walker. Actually, no, I have not. She was featured on the... Oh, Sassy. Oh, I do know her. Yep. Okay. Yep, I do. Yep. And she worked with Flatbush Catsum. Yes. And, you know, very grassroots. She just started out and getting traps and, and she works in areas that are not the safest And I'm getting goosebumps as I talk about interviewing her because I just think the world of her. And I loved hearing her escapades as she went out there. And and she's so bold. And she, I mean, she's in areas where it's just a really bad parts of, I think it's Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So that was just, I think, one of my most favorite episodes. And I think what you do as far as the virtual online classes is amazing for the world of TNR because a lot of people don't know where to start. That's true. That's true. They really don't. They don't know that there's a lot of research that has to be done ahead of time with regards to the cats, you know, ensuring that you're not trapping somebody's owned cat. So I say, you know, you have to be a a cat detective before you embark on either trap new to return, or in some cases, people feel like they should just be trapped and they really don't need to exist in the backyard anymore. So really being able to identify what's the plan for the cats and really ensuring that you're not scooping up a potentially owned cat. You know, that's a good question. How do you know? I love this question. It's my favorite question. So When you're determining whether or not this is a cat that you should be doing trap neuter return with, or is it a cat that needs, you know, it's actually, it's a lost cat or it's a stray cat. The cats aren't going to tell you this, but they will tell you to a certain degree. So obviously if the cats have an ear tip, which is a little sliced cut on the ear, on the tip of the ear, it is identifying that cat as a cat that's been trapped, neutered and returned back to the colony. So we can assume as long as that cat appears healthy, you know, has a good body type and good coat means that somebody's caring for that cat. And so you can assume that, you know, you don't have to worry about that cat. So there's one off the list. If you have a cat that's in distress, it's limping, it's emaciated, it's sickly, obviously that's a cat that needs assistance and would need to be trapped and brought in. If you have kittens running across the road, then those are that's a situation where you need to respond and rescue. If you have, you know, a cat that is skittish but looks good but has no ear tip, you want to check with your neighbors to see if they know this cat in any way, shape, or form, um, try and put the word out and start feeding that cat regularly at a regular time just to get it on a routine in case you are going to need to trap that cat. 
If you have a friendly cat that's friendly, it's rubbing up around your legs, but just is really appreciating the tuna you happen to be putting out, but the cat looks good, it's most likely owned and it will go back to its house. If it's stays around for a long period of time, you can put a temporary collar on that cat and write on it and say, you know, please call me to let me know if someone owns me. And you can do that for several days. There's a great flow chart um, on the website, Mass Animal Fund. I think it's massanimalfund.com. I believe it's massanimalfund.com. You just Google Mass Animal Fund, click on their resources page. They have this wonderful flow chart to tell you like how to respond in certain situations with cats in your backyard. I loved your responses, and I do know about the ear tip, but it's tricky sometimes finding out if it's a neighbor's cat or it's just a recently abandoned cat. Those can be tricky because we were feeding a cat, and I come to find out it's my neighbor's cat, and I didn't know for months, so it was just interesting. And what is your thought about indoor-outdoor cats? So it's a gray area. Very great. (laughs) My, you know, the adoption program that I ran for so many years has a, you know, encouragement guideline of having people have their cats as indoor only cats. That's sort of their ideal. However, we have a barn relocation program for very at risk feral cats that need to be relocated because where they are, they're not safe. Um, And so we do take the chance and we do a limited number, but we do barn relocations or working cat programs for those cats that would, you know, otherwise have no other options. So if you're going from one extreme to the other, you should be able to be kind of appreciative of the middle area. And there certainly are cats out there that would prefer to be an indoor outdoor cat. Obviously, you don't want that situation to happen on a very busy road. So there's really this gray area match that has to go on with a certain household and a certain cat. And I think in those times, it's possible to have them as an indoor outdoor cat. Obviously, I'm also a big fan of microchipping and identification. If you don't believe in the collars because they get hung up and that kind of stuff, I mean, obviously, breakaway collars are important, but making sure that a cat is microchipped is really important also. You're definitely right about indoor-outdoor cats being a gray area. I'm fortunate to live in a warm climate, so we have a screened-in patio, so the cats get to be outside without really being outside. You know, they get that sense of it, but they're not roaming through the area, which, you know, we're in South Florida, and there's raccoons, there's possum, there's coyotes. Alligators are rare, so I wouldn't say alligators. So there's all these you know, other animals out there. And I have concerns. If my cats were indoor outdoor, I would be very concerned. But there's neighbors of mine that are fine with it. So I'm not judging, you know, if you have an indoor outdoor cat and it works fine for you in your area, that's great. I've interviewed a couple of guests from uh, England and it's the opposite. If you live in a, a place where you can't have your cat indoor outdoor, they limit your ability to adopt. Interesting. So different mindset. Definitely. Okay, let's talk about your workshops a little bit. How did they work? Because, and I just want to ask this ahead of time, a lot of people, you know, are new to the world of virtual learning, not so much during COVID, but there is still a population of people that are not on Zoom meetings and are not that familiar with how a virtual education process would work. So can you give just a 
little, you know, kind of nuts and bolts on how your workshop would work? Sure. Yeah. So we use an online platform called GoToWebinar, which is very easy. You basically click on a link and you're in. It's similar to, to Zoom. I've been doing online education since 2018. So I was really committed to this format well before COVID. I did organize an in-person conference once many years ago, and I did it once was enough to know it was something I didn't want to do again. So I'm a firm believer in virtual education. I feel like there are so many folks out there that have a lot of cats in their houses or they're fostering kittens and they don't feel like they can leave to go to a conference because it's expensive. You have to arrange for pet sitters and all of that kind of stuff. So I really wanted education to be accessible to everybody and anyone. I have no idea who's signing up for our conferences. It's it's open. We're transparent. So it's very easy to do. Our conferences are affordable. Our weekend conferences are around $75. We have one-day conferences that are $25. And then the Trapper Certification Program is $10 a person. And you know you get plenty of reminders. People have my own personal cell phone if they can't get on. So I've coached many people on how to get on to go to webinar and you know follow the prompts and get them all set up into the classes. And everything is recorded, so the recordings are available. Our topics range from we have Behavior Day, Feline Leukemia Day, Fundraising Day. We have the online kitten conference, the online cat conference, and the United Spay Alliances online conference, which is like all things spay neuter for a whole weekend. It's really mind blowing. So we have an incredible lineup of different educational programs partnering with neighborhood cats, as well as the National Kitten Coalition. And it's just really exciting. You get in there with a group of people, they're chatting, they're excited. Oh, and everybody loves cat trivia. So I do cat trivia with prizes at all of my events, and I do a lot of polls. So it's very interactive, and it's fun, and it's enjoyable, and we just have a good time. Sounds like a lot of fun and a great education as well. Thank you. Okay, we're going to be right back right after this message. Molly, here's your dinner. (laughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Hey everybody, Michelle Byrne here. You know when you have dogs and cats living in your house, there's always a time when you have to be a detective, you know, find out who left the present on the rug, who chewed up your new shoes, or who ripped open that bag of chips on the counter. Well, as a detective, I've discovered June's Journey. It's a fun new game where you search for hidden objects to solve a murder mystery. I've even found clues that were dogs, cats, birds, and other animals. With new chapters every week, June's Journey is a wonderful way to keep my memory and observation skills sharp. And hey, it's fun racking up those points. Join the 30 million fans worldwide and download June's Journey free to your phone or tablet on the Apple app or Google Play Store today. 
Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Stacy the Baron about her podcast and virtual classes. She hosts the podcast Community Cats. So, Stacy, let's talk about podcasts. When did you start Community Cats? So, I started the Community Cats podcast back in 2016. June of 2016 was when I launched it. So, I'm almost at my 400th episode. And I actually have my son to thank for the suggestion. After I stopped working in animal welfare with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, I moved out of state and I was kind of wondering what was I going to do with myself? I had all these great connections in animal welfare. I'd run a mentoring program and I had helped 80 groups start trap new to return programs all across the country, but I had 400 groups on my waiting list. And I'm never one to let a group go by. Basically, I just, I, I can't not help. So, but I also realized I wasn't going to be able to do one-on-one mentoring with 400 groups. And so I was talking about it with my son. We were driving back and forth from Massachusetts to Vermont a lot. And we started listening to podcasts and my son had started taking up, he was 12 at the time. He was learning how to play the electric guitar and he started recording and he said, mom, it'd be super easy to set up a podcast. I'll help you with it. I'll get it set up for you, get the recording and stuff done. And so he made it seem easy and he did. He got my microphone, he got everything set up on the software side of things. And then I got a few other people involved and Started out with five shows a week and went down to three. And now I'm down to one a week as I built up my sort of online education presence that's taken up more of my time. But I still, I love the podcast and I firmly believe that's my way of reaching out to those 400 groups as well as others who want to turn their passion for cats into action at the Community Cats podcast. Five shows a week is a lot. Yeah, people thought I was a little crazy. <laughs> yes, because, you know, people don't realize how much research goes in on the back end. And even just besides the research, just prepping and organizing times and so forth. I'm impressed five a week. I do one a week, but I host two shows. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Catitude is part of the Pet Life Radio Network. And Pet Life Radio started with maybe seven shows and now has over 75. Oh, fantastic. And how I got started was first with Best Bets for Pets, which is our product show. Because, you know, we got a lot of inquiries about different products, but nobody really to talk about them. So ta-da, that was born. And I've been hosting that since 2010. When I started, there were two shows per episode of non-competing products. So I, I think I've done over 300 of Best Bets for Pets, and that's still going strong. Catitude, I was not the original host. The original host was Tom Dock. And for a while, even though there wasn't a host, the show was still remained so popular. And my producer came to me and said, you know, would you like to host Catitude? And my concern, and I'm honest, totally honest and with everything that I do, you know, I don't have a super strong cat background, but 
my perspective on catitude is very different from community cats. I look at it from the the cat parent's point of view, the cat person who wants a cat, thinking about a cat, has cats, just considering cats, anything about cats. And I have just a wealth of different types of, you know, people I've had on the show, everything from TNR rescuers to experts in various fields to a lot of behavior. But my favorite is TNR because we should come down to in the US, the number of cats euthanized is just still way too high. So that's just one of my passions because I don't do TNR. I've done TNR with my little feral colony I had, you know, around my area, but I'm not a TNR person. I don't have the, the time for that. You can only extend yourself so much, but I promote it and talk about it as much as I can. So that's where I come from. I think that's fantastic. That's excellent. And thank you for all that you're doing with the show. And you know what? I just want to mention since we're talking about everything about, you know, podcasts and so forth. I just want people to know that Catitude is part of Pet Life Radio, but Pet Life Radio has a wealth of information. And actually, you're familiar with some of our show hosts because Arden Moore hosts Oh Behave and a good friend of mine. I just did a show with her, matter of fact, and she is going to be on your behavior conference, correct? That's right. On uh, April 17th, she's going to be presenting at Behavior Day. Yes. Yep. She's like the pet whisperer because I've met her in person. She came over, she would happen to be in my area, came over and she was educating my dog and he was crazy because he was still a puppy. And she just basically did a couple things. And I was in awe. I thought, mm. how do you do that? How do you, but obviously there's been a lot of training and she does, you know, a lot of dog and cat first aid. So a lot of great information. And then we have Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff, which is a live call-in show. Have you heard of Dr. Jeff before? He's also known as Doc Hollywood. Uh, yes, I have. He he doesn't like being called Doc Hollywood, by the way, but he knows a ton of information. He's very big on telemedicine. Mm -hmm. That's his something, his new passion. We have Rappaport to the Rescue, hosted by Jill Rappaport, and she was on the Today Show. So she has a lot of access to celebrities. So that's an interesting take. And again, for vets, we have ER Vet with Dr. Justine Lee. I've done shows with her. She's incredible. So much knowledge. We have, how could I forget this? The pet doctor, Dr. Bernadine Cruz. She was one of our first shows, um, I think, along with Arden. And just there's just a wealth of information. And I think with podcasts, that's the most important thing is that we are able to communicate all over the world, all this information to people. Yeah, Michelle, you bring up a really great point there because you just said all over the world. And that's one of the things that I had hoped for with podcasting, that the reach would be beyond the United States. And I really didn't realize how truly impactful we could be outside the United States. But I have so many listeners all around the world. And it's just really exciting to hear about some of the trap new to return programs that are going on. And that is never going to change COVID or no COVID. You know, we are global. And that's what podcasting is all about in this animal welfare space. Exactly. You know, inform, communicate, and then when once they're informed and communicate the steps from there. It's a great way to communicate, as we said, 
through the world. Did you ever look at a list or I don't know if you have access to it. I had access. This is years ago, a list of all your listeners from by country. Yep. Yeah, I do have that information through the the host, the show host. So we have, I mean, a large portion, like 80% of our listeners are in the United States, but we have a lot of folks listening from Australia and quite a few in Europe. South America has gotten very popular. Mexico, we have a following there. We also have an affiliate program. The Community Cats podcast has an affiliate program so that if there are individuals who are just trying to raise a couple extra bucks to help pay for their trap neuter return or spay neuter appointments, they can sign up to be an affiliate. And we had someone from Ecuador just sign up. But I think it's fascinating. And I've looked at a country list. And of course, we too have the most amount of listeners in North America, which is, you know, US and Canada, but a lot of people um, in Europe, and even some in these tiny, small countries, there, there might not be many listeners. But it's kind of amazing. You think, wow, you know, here I am in my studio doing this show. And there's somebody that's going to be listening all the way around the world. And, and they live on a tiny island someplace. So kind of mind blowing. Yeah, that's great. I love it. All right. So what has been, I mentioned my favorite show earlier. What if you can nail it down to one since you've done so many shows? What was your favorite podcast show? That's always a tough one. I, this is a question I struggle with. If you ask me, how do I determine whether a cat needs assistance? I can answer that question. This is the tougher <laughs> question because <laughs> I enjoy all of my shows. I really, every one of them, I feel like I'm in the moment. I'm listening. I'm learning so much in every show. Earlier this year in January, I did launch a show with um, Dr. Michael Blackwell. He is the is at the University of Tennessee. He has an incredible background, and he's sort of the leading voice for movement around Align Care, which is about access to veterinary care for all. So creating these community, working with, with organizations in place to develop community outreach and resources so that really every person who has a pet is going to be able to get access to affordable veterinary care and whatever they need to be able to take care of the members in their in their family. And it's sort of like universal healthcare, but including your pets. So he's really a big thinker. And he's got some great ideas and interesting support. And he's just a wonderful person. Everybody that I interview is a wonderful person. But I think I walked away from that interview thinking pensively for a while afterwards. My favorite interview, I really love the interview with Sassy Walker, but I have to tell you, I just did one, a show with Dr. Jeff. He hosts Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff, which is live um, on Sundays, 12 o'clock Eastern time. And we were talking about telemedicine and that has come so far. And that has the potential to make people's lives so much less stressful when your pet is ill at an opportune time. And it was just fascinating learning all about that. Well, so that is actually an incredible option for solving a huge problem that we have right now in the United States, which is an incredible veterinary shortage. Getting an appointment in some parts of the country for spay, neuter, or just even standard veterinary care can be months out. And in some parts of Massachusetts, there are waiting lists 800 cats and dogs long waiting to get in to get appointments with veterinarians. And some of the urgent care facilities have had to go on diversion because they're just so 
backed up that they say, we just can't help you. You have to find someplace else to go in an emergency situation. So there's some incredible challenges for with regards to accessing veterinary care. So if you go to a telemedicine model, then you're streamlining your appointments. You don't have to worry about, you know, checking in and checking out. I had a great conversation with a person last week who is, does TNR in Barcelona. Um, and he said he knew of a program in, in Israel where the TNR caretakers will take pictures of the cats that they're worried about. And they use veterinary students to diagnose what the situation might be for those community cats to try and get them assistance without having to trap them. And the veterinary students are getting trained on suggesting potential diagnoses. And it's, it's supervised, but it's in the veterinary school. So they're getting an understanding of community cats and that kind of thing. And, and then that's taking that whole population sort of out of the private practice place, too, so it's a really interesting solution. So this version of telemedicine in the veterinary space could be really exciting. There's another show to listen to, my show with Dr. Jeff. It's really fascinating. And go listen, because it's not only the thing about the telemedicine is it's not only helpful for the pet parent, it's good for the veterinarian, it's good for the pet. It's win, win, win all around. The price is so reasonable and it doesn't poach on other vets, how their system is set up, AirVet. But I think that is the future. You know, we're, we're already doing everything virtual, so much virtual with COVID than we ever did before that telemedicine, I think, is definitely the next step because it's just so accessible and it's 24-7. Michelle, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. So, you know, you've devoted so much of your time to podcasting and getting the word out. You know, what's your hope for animals all across the United States or and the world? I would like to see the population of animals euthanized drop down to such a small, small number that I don't even know if I'll see that number in my lifetime. And I'm not that old, but it's. I think there's so much senseless and and it's becoming less so but so much senseless euthanizing of animals and mostly it's dogs and cats and there's a lot of things that could be avoided you know just even the basic of taking on the responsibility when you're a pet parent you're a pet parent for 10 to 20 years that's how it is it's not you know oh take your pet home or turn it because you know you didn't like when the kid little kitten grew up to be a cat so so I would like to see that number just really drop to where it's unfortunate if, you know, a cat is found and, or a dog is found and they're beyond able to be taken care of, medically taken care of by a veterinarian. So that's what I would like to see. Sounds great. Great solution. So Stacy, where can people find Community Cats? Your podcast. Yep. So um, for folks that want to find out all that we offer, the communitycatspodcast.com is our website. Of course, we're on Facebook, which is also Community Cats Podcast. We're on Instagram, Community Cats Podcast. Twitter, Community Cats P1. Folks can find us on LinkedIn. They can find me at LinkedIn with Stacy LeBaron. But communitycatspodcast.com has the most up-to-date information. We love to hear from folks. Emails come to me and happy to respond and answer any questions. What about you, Michelle? Where can folks find out more about Catitude? 
Well, Catitude is part of the Pet Life Radio Network. So people can go to PetLifeRadio.com. You can also just do a search Catitude podcast and it comes up and I'm grateful for this comes up right in the top of searches. We're on a lot of different networks, Stitcher and iTunes and Spotify, iHeartRadio, we're on live stream, but there's a ton of different locations. You can also, if you like the idea of downloading the episodes and listening to them on a jump drive in your car, you can download them right from the Pet Life Radio site. Just go to PetLifeRadio.com, go to the show page, look for Catitude, download the episode, put it on your drive. There you go. And you'll also find a ton of other shows that have a wealth of information. We have a lot of veterinarians hosting shows, and they are brilliant at what they do. So just a ton of information. That's great. We just recently got up on Amazon Music. Oh, that's wonderful. I, you know, we are in so many different locations. I am not even sure if we're on Amazon Music. We might be. And we're on YouTube also. But it is, it's a long, long list. So it's wherever you enjoy podcasts, you'll probably find us. Well, that's wonderful. And Stacy, we talked about your different conferences that are coming up. You have one coming up pretty soon. You want to share it? Sure. Yeah. Our upcoming conference is April 17th, which is Online Behavior Day. Uh, It runs from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time, which is a Saturday. And we have four incredibly fantastic speakers, one being the fabulous Arden Moore. She's great. She's funny. She's brilliant at what she does. And I'm so excited that she's part of your conference. Arden is great. And I took her first aid class with my niece and my daughter and their cats. And it was just really fun and fantastic. We also have Pam Johnson Bennett, who's very well known cat behaviorist. We have Tabitha Cusera, as well as Rachel Geller. So we have four fantastic people joining us for the online behavior day. And you can find out more information at our website, communitycatspodcast.com, $25 for the day. Well, Stacy, I want to thank you so much for coming on Catitude and sharing all this great information about the Community Cats podcast, as well as your various virtual conferences. So thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you also for being part of my show, too. What a great show. It was so wonderful talking to Stacey LeBaron, the host of Community Cats Podcast. And hey, everyone, just a side note. If you perhaps are listening to this later and you miss one of the virtual conferences, keep looking on the Community Cats Podcast website because Stacy does the virtual conferences all the time. They're always happening. They're recurring. So... I would like to thank my guest, Stacey LeBaron, for coming on Catitude. Thanks to my amazing producer for making me and my guests sound just so much better than we are. So thank you, Mark. And thanks to my cat crew, which is Dennis and Molly and Charlotte and Jethro and Sammy. And the lone dog, Nikki, who kind of acts like a cat sometimes. And a huge, huge, huge thank you to everyone listening to Catitude. It's been a great ride and I hope to continue it for a lot longer. So it's not about attitude. It's all about Catitude. See you next time. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.